Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? Not too bad. How about you? Good, good. Good to have you here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the tent. It's another continuation of our, our sort of special uh, episodes celebrating. What are we celebrating today, Alex? We're celebrating your fantastic finish in yep. the Aquatic Gardeners Association uh, Biotope Division, where you turned in what I think, I believe, may be one of the first pure, and I say pure, botanical-style aquariums ever to place in a aquascaping contest. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think I, it, I, think I definitely it, appreciate it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's an amazing achievement. It's a tank that's been... You know, we've we've been fortunate enough to have known about this one, this tank since the beginning, and, and you know, it's been featured. You've been sharing it on Instagram, and everybody's been uh, loving this tank sort of all the way through its journey. And to see it, you know, acknowledged on the competitive stage is pretty impressive. I think that's really cool. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm incredibly grateful for all the support I've had along the way on this tank for sure. From I mean, from everything from its creation to its layout, and then finally, you know. Where it, where it placed. I'm definitely more than happy with third place. I mean, the other two tanks were phenomenal. Um, and I definitely have nothing negative to say about them. You know what I mean? They're, they're both rivals. Yeah. And, uh, I'm a I little biased. I'm a little biased. Yeah, of I course. Would, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I, and I told this to Jen the other day, uh, like, yeah, I would have scored these a little differently. And I, but uh, it, a fabulous tank. And I, and I wanted to, um, first of all, let's introduce you sort of to, to our, our uh, listeners. Probably everybody has heard of you because they've seen our your tanks featured in our you know blog and we've talked we've mentioned your name johnny and i have named up to you many times but um alex give a little background on you and the hobby you don't have to be super detailed but just like how long you've been in what what's your main interest that yeah kind of stuff. definitely um i mean i've been interested in the hobby pro- i mean since childhood honestly um i mean i was one of those kids who would go out and bring home like snakes or frogs in my pocket <laughs> back home to my parents, you know, and they, yep. they would absolutely hate it. But I eventually, you know, I, I became super interested in, in recreating, you know, environments for these little dudes. And, uh, and that really is what spurred my, my passion and create, honestly creating biotopes and just, and, and then eventually aquascapes. Um, and then, so I, eventually I got into fish tanks and I've been in it now probably, close to 12 years i want to say uh because i really got into it at the end of well really really passionate about it at the end of high school going into college um and then i got heavily involved with a local group called uh um, tropical fish society of rhode island um Mm -hmm. where i met some amazing people and that was when i was really honestly just interested plainly in the fish um i was doing breeding and you know trying to keep all different things and i had like i don't know uh probably 15 tanks at that time i think nice. in my like makeshift fish room in my basement <laughs> yeah um, so that's uh, honestly where it really started and then eventually that that turned into uh, more of a passion for uh for planted tanks and it's kind of evolved over the years since then really um well, 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 and now I'm, I, oh go ahead oh, sorry to interrupt i was gonna say but that's what's so interesting about your background it's like you before you got into this 
serious biotope thing. You were quite a big um, conventional planted tank aquascaper, right? I mean, that was like a, a big, big For part sure. of what you did. Yeah, so you definitely. Bring a good skill set to this. I, I think uh, a lot of it had to do because of my design and art background. And that was mm-hmm. like a nice medium between the two hobbies because um, I love designing things. And then I also love, you know, keeping plants and all these different species in, a, in some, some type of natural environment. And that obviously I think ends up turning into aquascaping. So, yeah. I, uh, you know, planted tanks are were my primary uh, avenue for quite a long time now. Um, mm-hmm. And then... Now I, I've definitely diversified back into the biotope category and, you know, tried to uh, bring in some of those aquascaping fundamentals and layout stuff to make something really, really cool with the, the natural aspect of the biotope stuff and recreating these natural environments. And, and that's what I think is really cool. What we're seeing this trend, I hate to use the word trend, you know, I'm not a big fan of the word trend, but, <laughs> but I know Johnny and I talk about this all the time, but there's a, a, a trend towards with pure aquascapers like yourself somebody with the design background the artistic background coming in and creating these using botanicals and creating uh, a more realistic what we call functionally aesthetic interpretation of a biotope aquarium one that looks as well as it functions and actually functions sort of like the natural environment it pretends to represent and i think that's a trend we're starting to see and it's it's what's so fascinating is you know several tanks now in this contest placed very highly based on that kind of, I don't know if that was their conscious decision, but functionally aesthetic tanks are placing in these contests. Your tank, as we know, because we've had discussions about this before, um, many discussions about the biofilm and the fungal growth and algae and all those kind of things you went through. It's a functional system. Um, Did did it take, and I I think I know the answer, but I'll ask anyway, because I (laughs) think I know. Did it take you a little bit of mental adjustment to kind of get used to that very literal interpretation? Yeah, I think nature? so. Yes and no, because I've always embraced to a point the, uh, the uh, I guess you could say the ugly side of, of fish tanks and stuff like that, where mm-hmm. I, I don't mind seeing that stuff. But definitely, I mean, going full force into like letting the, the fungal growth and the biofilms and, you know, the sediment cover everything. And that took a little bit of getting used to it to, but eventually, you know, once it really takes shape, it becomes quite beautiful, you know, just, just yeah. like, a, uh, as if you're adding plants, you're seeing all the stuff grow and, uh, and mature within the tank. And then, you know, all the other stuff, like you've mentioned plenty of times of like all the microfauna you start to see develop and then the fish start interacting with all those little little critters and you know start foraging around on all the stuff and uh, you know that that full environment uh that you're really trying to replicate takes starts taking shape and that's what I've, i think i've really fallen in love with now i think you've converted me <laughs> yeah, good. i'm glad i mean it, well it starts making sense i mean the thing that i find so fascinating is w- what you've done is what a lot of hobbyists now that play with botanicals and that and more realistically natural style aquariums do is you did you researched heavily the wild habitat that you wanted to replicate you understood by looking at the videos and pictures this is what it looks like and then you you went further and said why does it look this way well it looks this way because there's leaves decomposing there it looks this way because there's detritus there's leaf litter there's all that kind of stuff and you're like i think something clicked in your head and you're like well yeah this is it looks this way because of this. And that totally. probably gave you comfort, I would think, right? Yeah, no, designer. definitely. Definitely. It's, uh, I mean, the 
the actual function of these habitats and seeing it happen in in the you know in your own personal tank um i think it's honestly really gratifying to see you know all these elements start to come together and you know it's actually working you know i I was actually looking at the tank and uh i was i was taking a couple videos of it and then i noticed scooting around in the leaf litter a little baby fish and i'm like oh my god this is like Wow. really working you know what i mean so this little you, tiny baby fish somehow survived and is hiding in the leaf litter from these humongous uh Moncalcia that are like you know right. three and a half inches long um and somehow surviving off of whatever is growing down there you know exactly <laughs> i don't i don't purposely go out of my way to feed any of the little guys you know um, yeah. there's more than enough uh there for them to forage and, and gather themselves which is because great. Like, like we say, the, 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 the leaves and decomposition and the detritus and the biofilm, that's sort of the operating system of the tank. And I think that's really cool. And, and again, I think it's neat to see you have made that mental shift where to where this is actually beautiful to you because it represents a natural element that you, you just can't design this. I mean, you designed a beautiful aquascape and a beautiful, we'll talk about that in a minute, beautiful hardscape <laughs> to go with it. Oh, yeah. But but nature did a lot of the work and you didn't interfere. I, I remember there was a time when you were like, oh, man, how do I, what do I, you, you were in panic. You were just like, oh, what is all this stuff? And then you kind of thought through it. And it was fun to watch that. Um, yeah, and, totally. And read your, you know, read your journey as you were sharing this on Instagram, too. It was kind of fun to see you saying these comments. And, and, and I think people were overwhelmingly positive. It wasn't like, oh, your tank looks like a pile of goo, dude. What's going on? <laughs> it was like, it was like people were going, oh, I get it. And, and suddenly this tank became sort of a beacon for the botanical style aquarium community because they saw this is an elevated version, uh, you know, aesthetics forward of, of a functional tank. And I think that that really clicked with a lot of people. And I think it's encouraging a lot more people to make that mental shift. A lot of planted tank type aquascapers are starting to look at these things a little more realistically. It's not an oddity anymore. And I think you've done a big con- contribution to get people to do that, whether you chose that intentionally or not. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, no, it's it's cool to see uh, people become inspired. I mean, that ultimately, that's why I, I started really sharing this tank was because I thought it was really cool. So I'm like, hopefully everybody else will, you know, um, and I think you're right. It, it ended up making quite the impact to my surprise. Yes. Um, I and I, I still to this day, this is like the most popular tank i post on instagram um, really? no how cool of a that is cool aquascape i post up this one always takes the cake <laughs> no matter oh, what even if it's just a, a random cell phone picture i took of like some of the tetras just scooting around or something like that it's uh it's definitely cool to see the the response and hopefully you know a continuation of this shift towards the botanical style aquarium in general um, or even just incorporating elements of the botanical style aquarium in planted aquascapes or in other hardscapes. That's what I think is so exciting about this because you're, 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 you're like the breakthrough guy. You've broken through as a acknowledged aquascaper and people are saying, well, he could do it. Okay. I get it. It looked really cool. And right, right. Know, that, that's a huge thing. Let's get into the tank a little bit. So the tank, it's, it's an igarape, which is, for those of our listeners who are very familiar with those, essentially a flooded forest. Or an igarape actually translates from the local Tupi language in Brazil. I bet you didn't even know this. Maybe you did. It translates into canoe way. Um, Interesting. Like, no, I didn't yeah, know it's that. Like the, see, <laughs> they, it's almost like a system of like where the natives in those areas commute. These are known little you know, streamlets that break off when the, when the forest floods, and they put their canoes through there and they kind of get from point A to point B. These are sort of well-defined every year they flood. And um, that's why these 
when you say Igarape, I, and I can't pronounce it, you probably could actually pronounce it better than I do. Is it Karahino? I think so. Yeah, something along those lines. But the fact is, you could look it up on a map, and it's there because every year it floods, and that's what's so cool. Right. Um, and it's off one of the major Amazonas tributaries, and I think that's what's fascinating. Now, about your tank, uh, the dimensions, what is it, 48 by 24 by? Uh, it's, yeah, 48 wide by 24 deep by uh 33 and some tall uh, equals out to about 150 gallons or so so it's a pretty now, big tank that's a yeah and that's a that you may actually quite honestly this may be one of the largest pure botanical style aquariums that i am aware of in operation right now that's another kind of breakthrough that's a this is a large purely botanical style aquarium totally so that's yeah. really interesting to me now the, the thing is with that do you find as an as an aquascaper a tall narrow tank like that a little challenging to work with? Because I've always like tall and narrow always kind of freaks me out. I just I'm not a designer. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Totally. I don't feel so bad. It's uh, especially me being short. I'm I'm not the tallest guy in the world. Um, <laughs> my my arms barely barely reach the bottom <laughs> with me on a ladder like laying on the side of the tank. So usually right. I have this array. I mean I've had the tank for close to five years now, and at first. I traded it for a hundred and twenty a standard hundred and twenty five gallon like the six foot long take, and I uh, immediately regretted it after I figured out that I was too short for the tank, <laughs> especially <laughs> being it planted. But I made you know I made do and I got I gathered all the sorts of different types of long tools and whatnot to reach the bottom. But that's I mean ultimately that was my big decision and make turning this into something botanical style because you know once you set it up. You get everything, all the foundation there, like you were saying, with the leaf litter and everything starts decomposing. You don't really need to touch the bottom. No. So once it's there, it's there, you know? <laughs> so and that's a great, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a, but that's a great observation, Alex, too, because a lot of people, I, I know you probably received a lot of questions on this. I received questions constantly on this. Like, how do you maintain these tanks? Do you have to decipher the detritus out when the leaves mm -hmm. break down? What do you do? And the answer is you don't really. I mean, you no. could, but you don't have to. And in your tank, it was only, not only does it look good, but it's a practical application. You can't get your damn hands down there. So <laughs> it makes exactly. sense. Um, now, now, with regards to the, the, the dimension of the tank, I mean, you wanted to do sort of a flooded forest representation from, from the start with this, right? That was kind of your intention. Correct. Okay. Yep, so the total totally. tank actually lends itself to the sense of scale, I would imagine. As a, as a designer, that probably appealed to you because you could have the vertical elements of the branches. Is that kind yeah. of... A hundred percent. I mean, I, I think we had discussions about this in the early phases of like, I was trying to base an environment primarily around the fish because I really wanted to take, keep a diverse selection of, of tetra species ultimately, mm -hmm. or just a, a diverse section of, of uh, a South American species in general, really something, right. a whole bunch of small fish gathered together. And this was the ultimate environment for it really was that like somewhere in between of the shoreline, uh, and in the open water area where the I think the widest diversity of these fish kind of converse and interact with one another. Um, mm -hmm. And that's it ends up being where, you know, a lot of the, the shorter or smaller trees are and then the uh, overhanging branches start dipping into the water. So, again, that, like you were just saying, that's when the, the height uh, worked in my favor for sure, because then I could get, you know, everything from the, the bottom. Uh, with the log laying on the ground to the right. branches, you know, from the trees above, technically <laughs> hanging yeah. into the water there and well, creating you know, that, that uh, safe space. Yeah, exa exactly. And that's another thing that it does. It it kind of um, 
it, it exemplifies what we've talked about, that relationship between terrestrial and aquatic habitats. And I think, and it does it very well uh, because uh, first of all, it's an interesting relationship. And second of all, you have branches and we'll, we'll post pictures again because we, we, we've been sharing a lot of your pictures over the years, but we'll, we'll do more. Um, you have the, the branches coming from the top which is very similar to what you'd see in these environments where the, the tree branches are hanging low over the water. Maybe they're putting down trailing roots going into the water. And then below you have a large, what essentially you'd call a log with some branches coming up and it replicates that kind of scene perfectly. Yep. I, I think uh, so in my reference video that kind of inspired this whole thing, uh, uh, one of the videos, I actually don't, I'm not even really sure who, who filmed the video, but oh. um, they, there was one specific scene in the video where this diverse cast of fish basically were surrounding a fallen tree in the, in the river. And you mm -hmm. could see it, you know, it was relatively close to you with that depth. You could tell it was like an entire tree that was laying down in this river with the branches coming down exactly, basically exactly like I, I tried to recreate and I wanted to create a snapshot of that, that exact habitat where oh, all wow. these different species are interacting around basically the fact that this tree has fallen into the water, maybe not necessarily, it might not have been water at the, in the first place, but now right. it's turned into this wonderful little safe habitat and, and breeding ground for all these different species, which is really, really cool. A, a nice little story to go along with it, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, again, what you just said there signifies, in my mind, a profound mental shift in not only in aquarium keeping, but in aquascaping, because it, 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 bear with me on my tortured description, but what I'm going to say is like a lot of guys that enter contests, they, you know, they come up with the rocks or whatever, and they base it on like a, a terrestrial mountain or something like that, or a path they see in a forest or something, which is cool. But, but you're actually looking at it going, Hey, this is an aquatic habitat. It happened to have been terrestrial at one time, but it's aquatic. And everything was, when I considered what I was, the elements I was going to use, I considered how the fishes interact with it. That's a really interesting notion, as opposed to, I just want to produce something that looks cool because I like the way these rocks fell in this scene I saw when I was hiking. You're going, no, I want to recreate the functional aspect, why the fishes gather around this, what they do in there, how they feel. I think that's really important. Totally. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that's a, a big shift Yep. Like you were saying in in the community in general, even even with the the high end aquascapes and stuff like that, especially from U I feel like U.S. competitors, we're seeing yes. this this kind of biotope inspired uh, these biotope inspired layouts really more frequently now, which is really cool, and it almost pays homage I think back to its roots of like you know creating the nature aquarium, right? Um, yeah, but real in nature aquarium. What a mono. But right, right, real, real. Yeah. <laughs> right, which wasn't this like fantasy diorama scape that somehow took the world by. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from the talent it takes to produce those. But as you know, I mean, we've talked about this before. I find it absurd that every aquarium that has to win in a, in a contest seems to have to look like this Lord of the Rings, you know, cloud <laughs> forest thing. And it's like, right. So, so this this is a real shot across the bow in a major, major international aquascaping contest to have this many, and, and I'm proud to say American tanks um, placed this high using that philosophy, it's a mental shift. They're going to see this. I bet you you're going to see more tanks like this in the IAPLC contest. Yep. yep. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think, and you'll probably, I'm assuming you're going to want to enter maybe that next year. Yep. I will be yeah. entering it for the third time now, and I'm actually nice. doing something, uh, planning in the works right now. I was just working on the sketch before we started chatting, actually. <laughs> Sweet. 
that's yep, great. Yep, definitely. No, I'm. I think I'm gonna heavily or get a little bit more heavily into the the competition side of things in general. Um, that's not an avenue I've chased after yet in my yeah. hobby career. Um, yeah. So it it'll be cool, I think, this, and I think I'll take a lot of those learnings from this biotope stuff and you know incorporate it into whatever layouts. Exactly. I, yep. Um, now, back, getting back to the tank itself, so you got about 150 US gallon aquarium, and uh, you lit it with the, a couple of what the 36 inch. Um, was it? What, did you use LED lighting, or what, what kind of lighting yep. are you using? LED, yeah, it's okay, actually so. it's uh, two old uh, fluval planted lights, super <laughs> nice. first generation old ones that I had lying around just because I ran out of of uh, really good bright lighting for my and my you don't need it. No, you don't no, need it. that's the beauty. It's not like we're growing anything. So <laughs> I, I, I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see more people. Uh, my opinion, because I know that's what I'm doing. More people using some of these higher end lighting systems, but tweaking the color to complement the looks, as opposed to try to grow things. You're trying to bring out the colors. Totally. So accent lighting and maybe some of the you know the like the uh, uh, radions and uh, primes and lights like that. People may yep, start yep. using simply to, to, as a accent lighting. And I think that opens up a lot of possibilities. Kind of fun. Definitely. I, I um, think uh, that'll be my future, honestly, one of the future changes equipment wise, because otherwise equipment wise, the tank is pretty set where it is. But I think I would like to incorporate some of that spotlighting and stuff, something you'd see in the natural environment where right. the sun is coming through the canopy. And, yep. you know, obviously there isn't a perfectly even spread of light in nature. So no, <laughs> no, all the hanging all. trees and all that stuff to really push this stuff further um, and the overall look and feel of how the, the light, the sun will come shimmering through at certain times of day. You know, do, do, you, really cool. do, you, do you find it hard to photograph this tank because of the tint of the water and the, the, the lighting? The light yeah, <laughs> blackwater tanks are hard to photograph. I mean, I'm a terrible yep. photographer under any circumstances, but even guys like Johnny, who's a super experienced photographer, will tell me, yeah, you really need to illuminate it brightly or use flash when you're taking a picture to get that through the penetrate the water color. Totally, yeah. I, for, for even taking the final photo for the AGA competition, oh, that must have been um, I, I had to turn off all the lights in the room basically block off all excess light because what I, I find ends up happening, especially if there's any bit of biofilm or algae on the glass at all, you got to make sure it's like spotless as you start to get glare and almost mm -hmm. see because the tank's so dark, you start to see your <laughs> reflection in it. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I've, I've definitely struggled with it, but I think I've, I've got it down pat and I start flooding the light with the excess light um, and then tone it down in, in camera to make it look like how it's supposed to look where it's a little bit darker. But otherwise you'll get all the fish blurry and stuff like that. If it's too dark, right. Dick, you can't win. Yeah, you exactly. Win. It's one or the other, right? <laughs> well, well, one of the things that I find fascinating that you've shared a lot of pictures with me of this tank over the months. And, and the thing that I love is you've taken some beautiful pictures as the tank was evolving, as it was growing the biofilms and the fungal growths and as the leaves were breaking down and you to see that progression and then to see the finished product, you realize it's all part of a organic sort of whole and it, and it, the fish didn't, give a damn the whole time. I mean, right. No, definitely was, not. <laughs> if anything, they enjoyed the process. You know? Exactly. And, and I think, again, that's part of the mental shift that the beauty of a tank like this is because it's going to bring so much attention to this approach to keeping aquariums that it's nice for people to understand that it's healthy. This is not harmful, you know, to the fish. This is, this is how they live in nature. And totally. Yeah. You should be embracing all this, this aspect of change and all these, you know, and quote unquote impurities and like you know right. ugly stuff 
Um, but in reality, that's what happens in nature, you know, and the, the water starts coming in and you see this massive change and the, the fish experience it and know what's happening. And, you know, it'll trigger breathing habits and, you know, all this different source of new sources of food. And, you know, this amazing new habitat evolves from, you know, what was terrestrial to this really cool aquatic and, habitat, which is awesome. And, and also acknowledging that, you know, the water's slightly turbid. This is what it's like in nature. It's tinted because of the humic acids and the, the leaves and the twigs and the botanical material. There's soils. There's a little bit of, a little bit of everything. So I, I think that that's going to be a real appeal to a lot of people when they learn that you don't have to you sometimes you have to cede some of the control to nature as far as evolving. You mentioned the word evolution, and that's a really important thing because the tank evolves. Uh, and I'm sure there were many times when you were tempted to intervene or, or was it like you're like, no, I have pretty much faith this is going to go. Or what was your mindset there as it was going through its phases there where you. I think I forced myself to be the later of the two was yeah. even even if i wanted to like we had discussed too um is when when i had an algae outbreak right yeah. um i was like what do i do like oh my god this is this is bad like it's taking over everything and i, I really yeah. wanted to like you know go back to my old habits of of like you know cleaning water changes every week right yeah exactly do something drastic right but I kind of let it be. And then I took your advice, like you said, about switching to RO water, which I think yeah. ultimately solved the problem and doing little bits at a time so. and, and slowly but surely taking out the, the nutrients or whatever the imbalance was that I ultimately couldn't even figure out. And now yeah. it's back to normal. <laughs> I, think it, I think it's, it's always, the, that's the, I think, not just botanical style tanks, but any tank. I think as a course, and maybe, maybe this is me from lifetime of doing this and, and, and screwing things up and then learning from it. I think a lot of times the best correction is the least invasive correction. Sometimes it's let it be, let, let the tank find its way. It may take a week. It may take a month. It may take several months. I've never, ever experienced the tank in, in all my years. And I've been keeping fish since I literally could walk of a <laughs> tank that just couldn't correct itself. Eventually it may have looked yep. ugly for a while or whatever. And I think so much of this is in our head because we've been pounded into our head since we first started in the hobby the tank water has to be crystal clear and there can't be any detritus on the bottom and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And I think that's so poisoned our thinking that we're, we're working against what nature's trying to do half the time and we're fighting our own tank. And if we just leave it alone, a lot of good things happen. I found that in the reef side of the hobby for so many years, people would panic about water tests. They're telling me this. Oh my that. God, yeah. Yeah, and, and right? And it's like, oh, I got to yep. correct it by adding this or taking that or adding this piece of right, gear. Right, right. And really the best solution sometimes is just sit back, just let, let it be imbalance, let it be, let the yep. imbalance correct itself. Um, you know, and it takes care of it. That, that would actually, you know, like people love titling their aquariums for these contests. Let it be would be like a great title for work. Right. That's what you almost have to do. Right. Just let it be. Yeah, totally. Um, it's and, it's and I, like you said, it's that mental shift. And I feel like, I don't know, I don't know how we've gotten there as hobbyists over the years, over the decades, but of that, like, that clean attitude because i feel like where it all started with fish tanks like people would just literally just put a whole bunch of plants in a tank right. no filter no nothing and let sun and nature take its course on its own and all the fish would be beautiful and happy and you know they did a tons of cool research and people would keep fish that way you know yeah. and it's like i don't know how we've evolved into this mindset of having these perfectly sterile tanks, um, which I understand it works, but it's yeah, also oh, it a does. lot of work. And I think it forces, especially a lot of new people who are unfamiliar with the hobby and or the fundamentals of keeping aquariums, they have to 
now now they're like forced to being super to conform um, conscious about all these like you're saying all these little elements and stuff like that when in reality they probably could have fixed their stuff just by being patient and waiting it out but instead now they're all these companies have jumped on like you know uh, creating different chemicals and all sorts of different it's a cottage industry so it is what it is but you know it's it's unfortunate for for the new people i think I agree. And I think that's what happened is, you know, a lot of commercial companies and there's a lot of great products out there that solve these uh-huh. problems. Don't get me wrong. Totally. I mean, yep. We've all used them over the years, but oh, I think sure. it created a cottage <laughs> industry and people want instant results. They want the problem solved now. That's so where I was getting it. That's right. where you use, yeah, yeah, use this device any, or use any this company product. products. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what's driven it. And then the messaging, you know, the commercial messaging is, oh, you have an algae problem? Use this. Oh, cloudy water? Use this. Cloudy water, bad. Yep. You know, algae. And don't get me wrong, it works. It right? does work. It, it, does. it is an into instant gratification it, kind of thing, but then it makes it happens? worse in the end, usually. Right. Because so. what happens when you kill algae? You know, the, then you've created another imbalance. What, <laughs> causes, you know, what causes algae in the first place? What causes fungal growth? It's food. It has its food source and it uses that food to, to turn it into energy to grow. So fungus fungal growths are happening because there's an abundant food source on the wood and the leaves and all that stuff for them to grow on. It's not indicative of a problem. It's indicative of, Hey, there's nutrient to support this life form. And what does it do? It actually exports nutrient. It utilizes nutrient. So if you start scraping it all out or figuring out a way to kill it with red slime remover or whatever you're going to use, yep. you suddenly created another imbalance and you set your tank right. for months. And I think that yep. again, your mental shift on this was so amazing to watch for me. And to see that, like, this guy's figured this out so well. <laughs> and, and because, totally. again, you know, because you didn't, you didn't panic. And I think that's just so important. Uh, just a huge thing. Now, let's talk about the fish, because obviously that was the first uh, motivation for this tank. Sure. Yep. You're, you're a Tetra guy. I didn't, I didn't know this of you originally until you started talking to me about this project. You're a Tetra guy like I am. You really like your Tetras, don't you? Totally. Now, I, so again, going back over the years, like I feel like I've I've uh, gone through all the phases. I was into the big cichlids for a while, and then you know a whole bunch of the little fish, and then really, really heavily into plants in general, like mm-hmm. keeping every plant species under the sun. But now I've really taken an interest back to my roots of of tetras and reservoirs and the smaller stuff, but primarily yeah. the tetras. I really, really, you know, wanted to die. I never had the opportunity or space to keep. Um, lots of different species and stuff like that so i really wanted to this was like i'm like i'm i have the space finally i have this new tank this biotope's going to be perfect for it i'm going to jump up in this opportunity to start gathering some really really cool uncommon species of tetra which would be awesome and 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 what's what's really more exciting to me even again i guess it's part of your part being part fish geek and part designer by nature (laughs) is you chose some species which yes you have your you know your your cardinal tetras but some of these species are not known for being super colorful, which I love. Some of the Moncalcia, some of the, the, even the, 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 um, the hatchet fish, those are relatively muted colored fish because they, because of their environment. Of course. Uh, yeah. You know, the Nanostomosequas, the, my, my favorite pencil fish of all, it's brown, but it's one of the coolest fish you'll ever keep. You know? They're so cool. And, so cool. And even your rare one, the Hemogrammus hanuari, I mean, the, the January tetra is, it's, what, it's like a silver fish with a stripe. I mean, literally, I mean, yeah. It's like this little tiny context, dot on its tail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it. but, it, but it's rare. And in context, you're like, wow, when you see these fishes in the right setting, suddenly it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, no, it's super, super awesome. I mean, a lot of the stuff, like, it, I feel like it's not readily available in a hobby, which is unfortunate. 
Um, especially a lot of these mountain mountain calcio species. I mean, I understand they're a little bit larger than the typical Aquarius can handle, but at the same point, they're really cool. And like, even going back to like aquascaping purposes, you know, like the, the mountain calcio coletti that I have, Mm -hmm. those are like tight, tight schoolers. I've never, I I didn't even realize they were that tight and it was, they're, they're honestly on par with rummy nose and how they like really stay right as a pack, always staying as a pack together and cruising around the tank. Uh, honestly, really, really similar behavior, at least in my experience, uh, as the rummy nose. And those would be perfect schooling fish for a cool aquascape, you know? Um, but there's all these different, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and th- there's all these different species that I really wanted to tap into, um, and, and try and find, but unfortunately they're really, really difficult to find. Um, yeah. like the hemigrammas. I happened yeah. to find that in uh, somebody's, a local fish store's uh, wild cardinal tetra order. Um, and they were they just thrilled happened to get it in as, a, as an extra. <laughs> and, they were th- and they were thrilled that you bought them because that, that, totally. that happens to me at my local store too. They'll get these like ugly tetras. And, and literally I'll walk in some days and the owner, Shawnee, is like, hey, Felman, I've got these like ugly gray fish. You might like them. And it <laughs> yeah. turns out, yeah, there's something rare. And a lot of my friends over the years used to tease me until I started really showcasing these blackwater aquariums. Then suddenly the, it makes sense because right, you have everything right. flashy. It, it, it detracts from it. And that's, I'm actually surprised that more planted tank guys, more like pure competitive aquascaper guys don't use some of these lesser colored fishes in their scapes, because I would think all the brightly colored fishes detract from your plants a little bit. Right. I mean, as opposed totally. to, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's just a matter of that, uh, compliment, you know, complimenting yeah. the escape in general. And I think, honestly, it's funny you say that because I think there's going to continue and it already has begun, especially in the high level aquascapes, especially within IAPLC and uh, some of the other competitions, you're starting to see, um, especially overseas and uh, in Japan, they're getting these really, really cool species of tetra or yeah. raspberry or whatever it is. 30, $30 piece tetra. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And they're, they're showcasing them like that, you know, and it's, I think it, it really shows because then it starts to complicate, uh, com- complicate, complement the, whatever environment they're kind of replicating and, or the color palettes or whatever it may be uh, with these really, really neat looking fish, you know, it's cool. And, and your, and your approach of take a fish you like and, find the ecosystem to match and build it up together is great. I mean, I, like, all of the best tanks I've done recently, I did a tank with two Kano Tetras, which are, they're beautiful and they're sought after and they're expensive, but they're not the most colorful fish. They just look distinctive and cool. And in the right context, they look really cool. And so I right. thought like, what kind of environment do they come from? So I researched it, found out it's a lot of tangled roots and things. When I put them in that environment, they immediately popped. And I was like, ah, that's why these fish are so cool. They're, they yep. have to be kept in context. And that's what you did in this tank and i i have to ask you though with the dimensions of the tank the way it is were you ever tempted to put in like angelfish or discus or something <laughs> did that enter your yeah. mind at all or were you just like yeah. oh, i'm standing on this biotope thing and i <laughs> honestly tried with not necessarily angelfish but um again staying true to the 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 um the the habitat the specific uh stream i was i was trying to target was uh-huh. um the uh festivums um, oh wow those are cool fish they they don't get super big they're usually pretty chill um especially this this specific species which i cannot remember for the life of me the i know there's like four different types yeah, of them and i can't yeah, remember which different. one this is but i tracked it down and i got them and uh and they started going to town on my, all my cardinal tetras um <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> so which is you know how did you get out of that tank that must have been a real pain in the ass to get them out of that tank 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, what extra sucked was the, uh, I also tried for another like kind of centerpiece species was uh, nodal, I mean, uh, Chronicicla nodothalmus. Oh, um, yeah, nice. tiny, the You know, basically the smallest Chronicicla dwarf pike species. Uh, and again, same thing. Yeah, Together, they ate all 28 of my cardinal tetras. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. See, some very happy little cichlids. Oh my God. They were so fat and happy. They were like the most colorful, healthiest looking, you know, both cichlid species. Uh, ever. And, but, and, you know, people ask me what, what the best cichlid or the favorite cichlid for these types of tanks is. I always jump back to um, checkerboard cichlids. Obviously it doesn't fit the I love that yeah. you're going to, but they're, they're like the perfect gentleman and mm-hmm. gentle lady. They never hurt anything. They're cool looking. They're subtle. They're pretty. They yep. are fine. But the other one that I don't get, maybe you get this, I'm throwing this in there at random in our discussion, but like a pistogramma, like they're really pretty. I don't get them. Like once they're in your tank, it's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, there's something about them. I understand <laughs> that people love them and I, and I do like them, but I just never, I remember putting them in my tanks and I'm just going, is that it? I mean, they're just they're yep. underwhelming. Whereas checkerboards or even like festivums, those fish are like, ah, you get that? I mean, or is that just me? No, I, I 100% get it. I, I was super reluctant to, but now I'm like actually actively trying to s- search out one of the pistos that are in this mm-hmm. environment. Mm-hmm. But um, pretty much only to get something that'll be lurking in the shadows. Right. You know what in I mean? Because the they are. It's 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 quite an underwhelming fish for how beautiful they are. You know, they're the right. little tiny guy, and you get you see them in the tank at the at the stores, and they're like right in your face and trying to be angry and defend their spot, and then you get them right. home. And then they set in a shadow and you and never they're see. Gray. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, I'd rather have yeah. gray fish that swim than gray fish that hide in a coconut shell totally. or something. Yeah, you, exactly. Now, yeah. the other fish that I think that would be cool to see in a tank, but it's, again, environmentally appropriate, would be any of the darter kerosens. Like, those are fish you don't see a lot. And I don't think until recently anybody's ever kept them in the correct content context. You know, they live in leaf litter. And now that yep. we have tanks that feature leaf litter, somebody one day is going to do a really cool tank featuring those little guys doesn't have to be a big tank it just has to be the appropriate tank right i, I, right. I would think that would make a neat subject for a um, for a biotope aquarium totally totally and i think a part of the the issue with keeping them in mainstream hobby is the fact that they are honestly really need those environments to thrive and yeah you know foraging around and uh and places to hide because i feel like they're super super skittish fish you know, yeah. so they, they won't last very long talk, in a brightly lit, like open aquarium, you know? <laughs> right, right. Now talk about open aquarium, skittish fish. Tell me about your challenges or your successes with the hatchet fish. Because again, one of my favorite <laughs> fishes of all time, and they're just a heartbreak fish. I was talking to someone the other day and I say, I just, I stopped keeping them because I just, too many of them end up on the floor. Yeah. It's too sad. And I like open top tanks and that's what most people use nowadays. And it's just, how did you make out with yours? Did we any so, or? yes, unfortunately, yeah. um, I found out. I, I found the culprits, but uh, and I evicted them. There <laughs> <laughs> was uh, one one in particular red eye tetra um, that was picking on them. Um, oh. My fifth batch, and all all of them, the entire school ended up on the ground, um, which I thought they just passed away because um, I had gotten them relatively skinny. A lot of times, you know, because they're usually wild caught um they're not the healthiest or fattest you know from the distributors um 
but it wasn't the case. They all jumped out. <laughs> and oh, then the, the second round, though, he ended up uh, – the local fish store I went to that got him the last time, he ended up getting more in the next week. So I was like, all right, I'll take all these guys again. Um, so I got another another six, and they were great for a very long time. And I just noticed as of recently, I'm down to two, unfortunately. And I'm not yeah. sure – and I think it was ultimately – behind your tank. Yeah, exactly. I have this one spot that they jumped out last time that I need to check today, actually. Um, but I think it was because I overfilled the tank. Um, yeah, it, you almost have to keep it lower. Yeah. Yes. Luckily, the because uh, it's such a large tank, the, the actual rim on the tank, the plastic rim, is like a solid inch into the side. So, and with oh, the helps. branches and stuff, they I don't think they would have jumped out um, on their own, you know, um, yeah. if there wasn't some outside source. Unless, you know, of course, I didn't overfill it. But. <laughs> well, but, but, you know, that's not the only fish. I mean, even the pencil fish, the, the equus, which is my absolute favorite, one of my favorite fish, period, and one of my favorite pen, my favorite pencil fish. They're amazing fish for these types of tanks, for your tank especially because of the branches going down because they swim in that oblique fashion where their nose up. Totally. They yep. can rock it out of the water like a submarine-launched ICBM. I mean, I, I walk by things, <laughs> and they will just – they'll leave four feet into the air, and you're like, what the – and it's so incredibly so many, accurate right yep. where i had to pick them up and put them back in the tank and unfortunately quite a few that i didn't find out until the next day they jumped yep. and they're skittish and it's like again great fish great personality smart but boy they have a death wish right yeah totally <laughs> i i kept them in my uh i tried to keep them uh twice in my my cube tank my little uh, uh seven gallon 12 inch cube that i have that's a uh, filterless and it was like in its early stages uh, just had a bunch of branches in it with very minimal plants and it was like the perfect tank for them I thought and uh, <laughs> well they started picking on one another um, unfortunately I only had like two or three of them um, and they they all but one jumped out and then I had the, the one which is still actually in my big tank now which is um, cool for three years now I think I've had them which is that's awesome it's like so yeah. much larger you know than the other that ones. happened to me they all that's what happened to me they all jumped and they was left with one big gnarly pencil yep. fish that was just the boss of the tank but yep. i was never quite i was always convinced that he could jump he had like a hair trigger at any moment if i made the wrong move he would launch himself and yep i was like always paranoid even for two years i had him after all the other ones bought the farm and i was like i am just paranoid about this fish because i know one day i'm going to make the wrong move at the wrong time and, and he's going to freak out when the lights go out or something <laughs> and i'm yep. not going to find him for the next day and i never did he lived in you know long long healthy life but it was it was always on the back of my mind with those fish. I guess always. covers are covers are cool, but I mean, yep. they, with when we're building out of the tank, it's weird. No, interestingly enough, I got um, finally my, I'm settled in my my house. We did some remodeling, and I'm going to be awesome. setting up. Yeah, I'm going to be setting up some tanks, which I'm excited about. And one of the tanks I got um, was one of these new innovative marine little uh, they call it a lagoon tank. It's it's nice. It's a mm -hmm. wide, shallow, wide tank. I've had I have a bigger one too but I got yep, a little yep. one and, and it comes with an integrated wire kind of wire mesh top that looks really nice. It doesn't detract from the look as I thought it would. Interesting. I'm not going to use it because I'm doing a mangrove tank in this thing, but oh, okay. yeah, I'm you like, can't really oh, cover you know, no, but if I think more manufacturers should make really nice integrated, you know, optional mesh tops for, for these. And I think that could, that could be the key to like pencil fish and hatchet fish. Um, oh my god yeah i mean there's, there's so many different species that that have that problem um yeah. especially like if you're doing i had like a similar issue with uh one of my tanks i was trying to make a high flow tank and make a, a oh, cool wow. river, river tank and uh go figure 
everybody jumped out with that too. And I, I ended up finding out one of a friend of mine was like, Oh yeah. Like high flow that they want to, that, that like pushes them to jump because they think they yeah. have to jump upstream and stuff like that. I'm like, Oh my God, that, obviously like, duh, but right. I wish I had something like that where I could have kept them in, you know, yeah. bounced off the screen and, <laughs> and, get and that's it, have a blunt nose. Well, you know, I, I, there was, I passed on a whole bunch of opportunities to get splash tetras, which I think are really cool fish. Super for cool reason. I mean, they're ecologically adapted to jumping out of the water and splashing <laughs> their eggs. And like, I'm like, this yep. is just, this is suicide fish in an aquarium. It's, it's rough. <laughs> I mean, I remember back in uh, my, my reef days, I had a, a ras, a fish called a, a, a Halicores crassurus, a canary ras. Okay. Yeah. I loved that fish. And like, he was one of my favorite fish. He was a super male. So he started getting a like, nice coloration on his, on his cheek and everything. But I, in those days, I had metal halide lighting <laughs> over my reef tank, and of course, <laughs> open top was very progressive. But what this guy would do is he would jump, but he wouldn't end up on the floor. He'd bang off the, the halide. So every time he'd hit the light fixture, right, these double-ended metal halides, they had a glass enclosure, you'd hear this ding, and then you'd hear the singeing sound. And he'd fall down oh, in the water, man. and his nose would be – his nose was so scarred up, and it was literally like flat and black. Yeah, it was singed. It was constantly, he would jump like a few times a week like that. And we just bounce. It was like, almost like he wanted to do it. I'm like, why, why are you That's doing crazy, this? That's crazy, man. Yeah. It was weird. And he lived, a, again, a long, healthy life. I think I had him for seven years. And Holy cow. He just, yeah, but he was just most, his nose looked just like someone took a hammer to it every day. <laughs> <laughs> Some fish just jump, you know. I don't know yep. why, how we got on this tangent, but. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, so let's get back to you, to your tank a little bit. Um, let, let's talk about the materials that you used and then we'll, I know you, I know you got to be out of here in about 10, 15 minutes. So we'll wrap it up, but let's talk more about the materials that you used in the tank, your aquascaping material choices. I mean, people could see it in the pictures, but if you want to give a little description of what you used. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's quite a, so leaf litter wise, it's quite a variety. I mean, it's basically, I think you've sent me tons of care packages of a uh, huge assortments of South American based leaf litter. And then also, um, oak leaves, uh, quite That's a bit. Great. Of, honestly. Great. Yep. Collect super, your own. They're good. awesome. Yep. And I got plenty in my yard. That's for sure. That's great. That's great. Um, and then wood wise, uh, I, that main log, I think they call it Carolina bogwood. I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and it didn't sink at first. Uh, not entirely. It was it was relatively buoyant, but um, that was the only piece of wood I actually bought. Otherwise, I went out and into the woods and sourced my own uh, oak nice. frame, which ended up being perfect, super oak super straight. Is um, the best. I yeah. Love yep. <laughs> yeah. And going down to Central and South America and stuff like that, and visiting these places, it looks remarkably similar especially it if it's a really nice healthy branch where it's it's got that relatively smooth bark um yeah. so it, it fit the mold really really well um and i was it, you know i got again i got a ton of it readily available so i had all sorts of different shapes and sizes to, yep. to try out um and that's what i used basically as the base of the hardscape you know and various branches and then um i added some little tiny branches to add a little bit of depth in the back there I'm not honestly sure what it is, but I found this bush. Yep. On the side yeah. of, uh, uh, um, the Bay area actually like, so saltwater, I was like kind of reluctant to put it in the tank. Um, and I tested it out and it, everything was fine. So, but it was like perfect. It matched the same structure as the Oak branches, but super, super tiny. Durable, so it was like too. perfect. And, uh, you that's know, where the hatcher fish love hanging out and the pencil fish, honestly, all there's of a sense of security. 
Yep, yep. And that See, the dark, shadowy back area with the fine little twigs and stuff like that. They just like live within it. <laughs> See, but see, you brought up a point, uh, something that I've kind of concluded myself uh, recently. You don't have to use just one type of wood in your tank. You don't have the, this homogenous wood because number yep. one, wood, all different wood types aggregate because of different trees in these environments where things fall in and get swept downstream. So you'll get different types of wood and branches in the water. Number number two, once these things are in the water, they all get a coating of, you know, biofilm and a little patina on there. And they kind of, you can't really tell that there are different species. Definitely not. And, no. I, and I think we freak out too much about it. Again, I think that goes back to the sterile tank composition mindset of like, everything has to be uniform or this. I, I, I totally disagree with that because there's so many, what you did is you use lots of different textures and shapes mm-hmm. together. And I think the whole is greater than the, was it the greater than the sum of its parts or whatever, because yes, you can right. use all those, right. I think I said that right. You can use all those different, really interesting pieces, small pieces, big pieces, and they can be from totally different plants, but they just somehow work. Totally. Yeah. I think as long as they're, you know, within reason of what you'd see in the typical environment it'll end when they come together it'll make sense um and then textures wise too like the rotting log so to speak you know it it doesn't matter what kind of wood it is it's a rotting log you know what i mean you don't really know no one could idea piece of wood you know that's my long-standing my long-standing attack on biotope serious biotope contest was these people would they would destroy an entrant because he was using the wrong gravel that doesn't exactly match what's found in that habitat yet the tank is filled with you know european beech leaves or oak leaves and not a word is said about that i'm like really so you're upset about the gravel but this guy has clearly north american or european leaves to represent the south american environment and you're deducting points for the gravel right like, right come on you know yeah, your botanist yeah. could tell the difference you know in most cases but no you know, we Definitely get, not. we get too serious sometimes. And I think what I love about your tank again, is you, you, you're a serious aquarist, but you, you didn't go crazy and obsess over everything. I mean, you probably obsess in your own way, but there's not. No, right. I, I, I tried to take liberties where, where it made sense. Right. Cause like yeah. why kill yourself trying to source a specific log from a specific place when, you know, the piece of wood from your yard yeah, <laughs> does yeah. the trick essentially you know what i mean or or yeah. your local fish store you find this perfect piece of wood that fulfills the goal of what you're trying to do or like you're saying the rocks right like yep. if it's a gray rock with some texture that you're looking for then use the gray rock with the texture i don't i don't exactly. think it has to be limestone or a specific type of granite or bedrock exactly. or whatever it may be, you know what i mean as long as it fulfills right. the aesthetic that you're trying to achieve and it doesn't obviously change the function like you don't want to be using uh some type of you know limestone or something like that in, in a low ph tank you know, or something. You know, that's another <laughs> thing too that you did right like what you did which i think i mean i again i know you researched it but a lot of people don't think about this and, and as a, a traditional guy from a traditional aquascaping background it was even more impressive that, the, that you did this i don't believe you have any rocks in this tank do you nothing nope yeah. it's just and, clay sand and then your fantastic um sediment Yep. Oh, love the plug. That's good. Yep. <laughs> no, but, you use, but you didn't use any rocks because rocks aren't generally found in these types of habitats, number one. And number two, you a lot of guys that are, again, come from the aquascaping background, they, they have to use rocks because that's what they've always done. And it's like, you don't have to use rocks to get a really yeah. cool 
aquascape definitely not no i think there's like super awesome botanical only environments out there that like yeah. these are it's the the just wood is so hardscape that's it and sometimes there isn't even wood you know there's right. just just whatever leaves. the living trees and leaves and whatever it may be you know it's, and yeah that simple <laughs> no well, or some of them build up or whatever it may be, you know no, I, I agree and i think some of the most compelling environments are sometimes just substrate like i've seen pictures in books where it's just fish swimming over rippling sand and it like maybe it's a blackwater environment or it's turbid or whatever but it's this rippling sand maybe there's an occasional leaf or a twig or something and a little clump of detritus or something and that's yep. it and you're like wow i want to reproduce that in an aquarium and i'm yeah, like thinking yeah, totally. what if somebody does that in a contest and it's yep. perfectly biotopically accurate for a lot of locations but could we wrap our head around it you know what i mean totally like, i mean i think one of my favorite photos i forget who took it but it's simply sand like a built up a buildup of sand like you can tell the water flow has pushed this pile of sand like almost like a sandbar in the middle of a river with a school of like 30 quarries on it that's it oh ivan yeah i've seen that picture yeah. oh yes yeah, yeah. yep exactly yeah. yep and, and, and that's exactly. like one of my favorite things i'm like how cool would that be to put like a tank long wise you know you're looking down filled with Shallow sediment and wide. just yep. sand like that's it yeah. I, I mean or one rock <laughs> you know what I mean? right like, right exactly could, yep could yep. you first of all could you handle it mentally you know could you be like as, an, as most people would just be like i, I gotta do more than this <laughs> but i guarantee and i'm saying this to everybody else i'm putting on i'm going down on record and i think you are too if somebody ever does that and enters it in a contest, people might freak until they actually look at the photos or look at the tank in person. And they'll just be like, that is amazing. Whoa. Yep. Yeah. Cause I, I'm telling you that is like going to happen one day. Someone is going to do just a tank of sand and have the right water, you know, motion from, you know, submersible pumps or whatever. They get that yep. rippling effect. They'll have the right led lighting tune. So you get a little bit of a glitter line, a couple of little bits of leaves in there, a twig or two, the right fish and you're done. And that's it yeah super super simple environment that you see all over the world which is yeah. like super super cool and yep. totally underutilized you know yeah it's, it's super super cool sometimes you know we we overcomplicate things just to we do. for the cool factor so to speak but when in reality yeah. you know, something as simple as that could be super super cool <laughs> some of the best tanks i've ever done were just leaf litter nothing else one of my favorite tanks i ever did was just a leaf litter tank just a bunch of leaves and some yep. green neon tetras and it was just Every time people came in the room and looked at that tank, they were like, this is an awesome tank. And it was the easiest tank I ever did botanical-wise. Just, awesome. it was just yeah, There was just an absolute no skill. Anybody could do this. And it was just, yep. but you have to have the mental capacity, like, or not mental capacity, mental shift the mindset to be able to like, right. I, I'm not going to add anything more. That's yes, yeah, I, yeah. I, I know I would personally have a problem with that. <laughs> it's tough, it's tough, it's tough. But you know what I love uh, with regards to your tank? is the comments of the judges, the, you know, how they thought it really looked like the real thing and how it did a great representation, how the fish seemed to be happy. Um, there was one comment I disagreed with, but I, and I'm still researching it in my own <laughs> mind because I believe they, they said you, the fish that you used was not found in that habitat, but I believe it is, but I don't know. I'm going to vindicate knows, you on that yeah. one. I'm just going to vindicate you on that one. I'm going to find the yep. answer. I'm going to talk to All right, Ty cool, or somebody. Awesome. He'll, he'll get that answer for you. It's see information like that is so difficult to come by. It's, it's hard. Like, yep. Well, you look on you look on seriously fish and you know, oh that's it. Well, that's not the only source. <laughs> you know, no, no, definitely not. <laughs> and we have people that actually explore those habitats. <laughs> you know, so um, we'll find out. But but I think but, that but that's I think that that's that's the fun that's part. The fun. You know.
Alex, are you still there? Did I lose you? Oh, there we go. Oh, sorry, sorry about that. I don't know okay. what just happened there. It was it, like well, maybe you got a phone call or something. I don't know. It was weird. It okay, probably right. was. <laughs> okay. That's no, all right. I, but this is the beauty of doing it. You know, we, the show is not live. We record it and play it back later. But I don't edit anything. So I just <laughs> the interruptions. <laughs> go with the flow. That's it. Yeah. Go with the flow because it's kind of like live, but not. But that's like that happens. No, but, <laughs> but I think, but I think that that's what's beautiful is that again, your your philosophy behind the tank and to sort of put a wrapper on this. Um, what would you say to someone that wants to do this type of a tank? Not necessarily for a competition, but but whatever. Someone wants to do this. What are your maybe like top pieces of advice for somebody? that wants to do a different kind of a tank like this? Honestly, is is research, number one. I mean, I go, I mean, I've been doing this as long as I've been keeping fish is get different opinions, talk to educated people about it, do your research online, you know, try and find as much information as humanly possible before going into this thing to educate yourself to basically overcome, potentially overcome any problems or whatever that might come up. Um, I think that's that's always my my path of starting is, is just trying to find any information that I can get um, to kind of better the, my, my success of starting the yeah. tank because it could potentially be, you know, a rocky road with depending on how you go about it. Um, but second thing is I think patience, as long as you yeah. take your time with it, especially with the botanical style stuff, I see a lot of people online and end up reaching out to me um, with issues because they like jumped in, you know, a bucket full of leaves right off the bat with an uncycled tank with no filter or whatever it may be. Right. Um, seeing existing. my tank inspired, right? But yeah. mine, you know, I, I all my tanks really, I've added and accumulated all this detritus and breaking down, broken down leaves over months, months and months and months. Yep. And then eventually, once I know it's perfectly ready, then I'll start adding in different species and all that stuff. But it's not a license to be sloppy. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely not. No, nope. Yeah, basically. No. It's uh and and you know keeping those fundamentals of of fish yep. keeping in general of you know you wouldn't add in you know twenty fish to your tank all at once uh, that's brand new and started for the first day so same idea you probably shouldn't be adding you know a ton of leaves or different botanicals because you'll have the end result same end result yep. of a whole you know you don't have the bio load to to uh, compensate for uh, all the nutrients that are being added to the tank all of a sudden. There's, there's no shortcuts. I think that's the one thing that the, yep. this style of tank, it, it brings out the sort of the, the on, it's a very honest tank. It'll, it'll, mother nature will bitch slap you <laughs> if oh, you yeah. don't, if you, if you, you know what I mean? It's like, you need to, <laughs> you need to like really watch the tank. You need to yep. understand what's going, and you need to understand what's going on. You need to understand the nitrogen cycles, the most fundamental parts about it. And you just, you just can't cheat mother nature. There's no shortcuts. There's no hack. No, there's, definitely. And she's going to tell you when something she'll is kick wrong. your ass. Yeah. <laughs> she'll kick your ass as sure as the sun comes up in the morning. I mean, that's just yep. the way it is. But, but on the other hand, you'll be richly rewarded with like what you said, patience and fundamentals and yep. observing. I think that's just huge. Yeah, totally. It's, it's super, super rewarding process to go through and see all this stuff happen in real time. Cause you know, obviously we don't all live in these, environments and are able to go walk over to the river or whatever it may be and see all this stuff happen so i mean it's it's really really cool to have a literal box of mother nature happening and evolving in your home you know yeah how cool is that and when you again you spend enough time observing the actual habitat and and even both in person and in on video and so forth 
you see that what's happening in nature is actually happening in that little microcosm in your tank. It's really rewarding. It, it, you finally make that connection that a tank is not detached from the natural world. It is the natural world in a enclosed environment, but the same things, the same principles or fundamental laws that apply to wild natural environments apply to a closed system as well. But we've spent so much time trying to beat the system, take out the detritus, take out the cloudy water, scrape the algae, that yep. we're violating nature's own rules. And I think that's, there's that understanding that's coming together and a tank like yours and a, uh, an aquarist like you are starting to really spread that word. It's just very exciting time in the hobby, I think, right now. Totally. I mean, that's, I think that was the ultimate goal of me starting any form of social media was a, a platform to share some of my experiences, whether people wanted to take them or not, you know. I, yeah. I've worked in the industry and I've done this stuff for quite a while and I've learned, you know, some tips and tricks and whatnot that I really wanted to get out there and I found successful for myself. Um, and now it's turned into this whole thing, you know, which is really cool. And uh, ultimately that's, you know, why I keep making these cool tanks that I try and break boundaries or I try and experiment yeah. as much as humanly possible. And, you know, cause I'm, I'm forever learning myself, you know, I'm always talking never to stops. old guys that know way more than me. You know? <laughs> People have forgotten more than we ever know. I know. Exactly. Yep, yep. And trying and to learn something new. But, yeah. but sometimes what's cool is sometimes there are people that don't know that. And we have to go on trust our gut and we have to look at nature and say, Hmm, can I do that? Why yep. do we do that? You know, that, that's the thing with these types of tanks with emphasis on things like weird substrates and decomposing leads and all this stuff. Like, well, people don't do this. There's no body of experience to draw on where there wasn't. Now there is, it's starting to be more and more, but I think for so long, people were afraid to experiment with those types of things. And, you know, again, something like yours that is getting mainstream attention for a very unconventional aquarium is doing the hobby an enormous service because it's putting that into the, the homes of people that have probably never considered this philosophy and it's shifting minds. So for that, I have to thank you from the bottom of my heart because a tank like this does more in one contest than I've done in the last six years of pushing this <laughs> philosophy. So, because it's like, Hey, this is, you know, look what can happen. So that's awesome. No, it's it's it, great to hear. Thank you. No, yeah. I, I mean, I, my, my intention was never to really push that back. I mean, change the world no, okay. I, i'm just a hobbyist <laughs> myself you know what i mean yeah, is, exactly. i just want to make are. something super cool but the amount of support and you know and awesome, awesome comments and you know motivation or inspiration i've provided to different people is like you know means it all to me that's for sure like it yeah. makes it all worth it you know all the work that goes into something oh, like this <laughs> the doubt the struggle oh that's yeah it does yep. just helping people yep. is a great thing um alex we are gonna have to have you on again another awesome. time because <laughs> i like talking this is like the first time we've ever really talked talked and like yeah yeah other than could, brief conversations like, this is it <laughs> could see spending five six hours just talking fish bullshit with you and I oh think my god could go, i could go on and on and on all, about all different stuff so, you know? <laughs> and god forbid we have Johnny to the mix because he, he wants to come on when you're on one time and then maybe we throw in a couple other people we could have a big old like talk thing so i think we're gonna have to do that because um there's a lot of good information and, and the stuff you're talking about mental the, the mental game which a lot of people aren't talking about is really important and this was a lot of fun so i couldn't agree more well yeah, thank you so much <laughs> you too and happy holidays yeah again we'll we'll talk about what's next and, and we're going to hear about you know the next tanks that you're going to be doing uh, i think we should have a we'll have a discussion on that real soon because that'll be a lot of fun 
Good. Yeah, definitely. Well, no, away, I got a lot of away your contest thing, but yeah. Yep, yep. No, I got a lot of stuff planned for this this cool. uh this winter season, the busy season, you know. Yeah, the fish season. That's what I call it. Yep. It's aquarium exactly. season. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, great talking to you as always. And uh, again, thanks so much for spending a little part of your pre-holiday day with me. Of course, and, definitely. Thank uh, you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. And and keep inspiring. And everybody out there, uh, thanks again for tuning in. And we look forward to seeing you guys on the next installment of the tin. Bye bye.